Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Star for week three of our series through the book of James. And we'll be talking about what it's like to live under pressure. And the world that we live in is full of pressure and probably nothing more is felt than the topic we're going to talk about today. So I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of James. James chapter 1 is where we're going to be. We're going to start reading down in verse 13. I know we've got a great crowd here in Compass this morning. Great crowd in True North up in the chapel and the theater. So glad you're here. And we're just always honored to welcome our online crowd. We're really, really uh, excited to have everybody a part of this today. You know, James spent, James, the beginning of James 1, this brother of Jesus, this first pastor of the early church, the one who didn't believe in to, to his brother until after the resurrection, he begins to instruct this new church and this early church. Remember, they were scattered the beginning, and we talked about these trials that enter our lives that God uses to refine us. Today, we're gonna talk about not the holy ones, but the unholy ones. And temptation is the topic we're gonna talk about today. So let me, we're, we're, we're all family here. We're friends here, so this, I'm gonna treat you like I would my own kids and my own family. We used to have difficult conversations. We would always sit around, it was always around the dinner table. We'd sit around the dinner table and I would always begin this way. You know I love you, don't you? And they would say, yes, dad, we know you love, no, no, no. You know I love you, right? And they're like, right. This, is, this conversation's happened in bullpens, when I'm with kids, when I'm fixing to have a difficult conversation, I wanna establish that the person that I'm having the conversation with, though we're gonna deal with something hard, they know it's out of love we're dealing with it. Do y'all know that I love you? That was weak. All right, and so, y'all really doubting it. Do y'all know I love you? All right, I do. I genuinely do love you. And I think James loved this early church. And that's why he wrote what he wrote. For thousands of years prior to James, and for thousands of years since this letter was written, the topic of temptation has been real. And it's felt and it's experienced. Temptation is universal. Temptation in and of itself isn't bad. I, I saw one author, he said it this way. He said, temptation's like the keyhole. The enemy comes by the keyhole of our lives and peers in, but we are the ones that unlock the door to let him in. So, little baseline here to begin. I believe, and I believe scripture teaches it, and I believe it, and I think today is very important to understand where we're coming from. I believe that there is a God who has a best for your life. In fact, here in Compass, Larry said it, he's been chasing after us, he's been running after us, he's been pursuing a relationship. There is a God who knit you together in your mother's womb and you were fearfully and wonderfully made. And I believe there is a God who knows everything about you and has a best for your life. But I also believe in this world, there is an enemy that would love to do nothing more than destroy everything God is trying to get you Two, John 10, 10, 
Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. John 10, 9 says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So before we even read this today, before we even talk about it, I'm not talking about any of you. All right, this is, I have not gotten in your email inbox. I have not gotten a letter from your spouse. All right, this is, you, this is how universal temptation is because as we begin to unpack this, it gets incredibly personal because we all experience it. James chapter one, verse 13. Would y'all stand with me in honor of reading God's word together? James writes his scattered believers now that have spread out and he's instructing them about how to win in this life, how to get over trials and now how to win through temptations. Listen to what he said. And remember, what's the next word? Help me out again. And remember what? You're being tempted. Not if, when. You will be tempted. Do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect, it's a gift coming down from, to us from God our Father who created all lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us true word and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Would you pray with me? Right where you're standing in compass, the chapel, watching online, the theater. Would you ask the Lord to speak to you today? And would you tell him when he speaks, you will listen. God, pull up a chair at our table today. Father, I pray that when we leave here, we'll leave here with tools in our toolbox that can help us win over this thing that we are all gonna face, not once, but over and over and over again in our lives. And Father, we give it to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Before you're seated, turn around and welcome somebody to North Star today and then you can grab a seat. What, what James is writing about, everybody then understood. When he wrote it, they got it. When they heard it, they knew it. Why? Because temptation has been around since the garden. Since God created Adam and he created Eve and they're living this perfect life in the garden and all of a sudden the serpent, the enemy, 
makes his appearance. Remember, he's a fallen angel. Here's what we need to know about temptation. Temptation always involves shortcuts. It's always a quicker way to a better thing. So what do we need to do to win over it? Ready? Number one, refuse to blame. Refuse to blame. Look, look at the way he says it. He said, and remember when you're being tempted, don't say God's tempting me, all right? God will test you to bring out the best in you, but he will never tempt you. Scripture says God is light and in him there is no darkness. God never sends temptations your way to entice you to do something that's not his best. That is not the way God works. God uses trials to point us to him. The enemy uses tests, or he uses temptations to cause us to stray from God's best. Don't ever say, we can never say, God, I, I gotta blame you for this because you sent this my way. That, that's, that doesn't work. But blaming is universal. It's something we've, it's been going on since the beginning of time. There's two people on earth, right? There's Adam and there's Eve. God says you can have everything in the garden, you enjoy the garden, you experience the garden, but there is a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just, just stay away from that tree. They got everything. And the serpent comes and says, well, why would God tell you to stay away from the tree? He doesn't want you to know all the things he knows. That's what he told them. And so he gets Eve and Adam to go over to the tree and to take a bite of that apple. And when Eve took the bite and Adam took the bite, God shows up and he said, what are you doing? And Adam goes, it's her fault. The woman you gave me, it's her fault, right? I mean, blaming's been going on since the beginning. Refuse to blame. Here's why, I want you to write this down. I never grow from blaming. I can't grow because I can't own it. I heard Rick Warren say years ago, every time I blame, it's being lame, right? I just don't get better by blaming. I only get better by owning something. God is never going to tempt you. I've had people <laughs> sit in my office that are in the middle of an affair and they have said these words, I believe that God brought this person in my life. And I'm like, I love you, but I don't think that God brought that person in your life. It feels like that now because they make you happy or whatever that, that, that will last a little while, but it may feel like that, but that's not gonna last. Refuse to blame. Look at number two. Not only refuse to blame, realize the battleground. Here's the part I wanna sit in for a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world that is a battleground. It is not easy to walk through this life for you. It isn't easy to walk through this life for me. 
This world is a battleground of good and evil. Good always seems to take more hard work than evil does, right? It is a battleground. Tomorrow night, we'll, we'll be at Legacy Makers for dads of young kids um, that are growing up trying to be a godly dad. It is a battleground trying to be a godly dad. It's a battleground. Used to be you had to work to find things to take your eyes off God. You don't have to work anymore. They're right there on our phone. They're right there in front of us. Look, look at what James says. Temptation comes from, what are the next two words? Our own what? This want within us for something we don't have. It entices us and it drags us away. So in this room are hunters, they're fishermen. Literally that word entice is like, it's like a lure, right? Thrown in the water that that fish sees and it goes and takes a bite. What the fish doesn't know is inside that shiny object are hooks. And when those hooks get in you, you can be really sorry you bit into it. But some old boy or some old girl's on the shore and they're pulling you in. That's literally the word that he uses. Entice us or drag us away. It's like a hunter who's killed his prey that's now pulling it away. Listen to what he says. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away and these give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. And this is what, he, this is what James is saying. The enemy is waiting for all of us to take our eyes off the Lord and to look another direction. And the minute we step, he's ready to set a trap. And you're like, Mike, come on. These things keep me in business because it's so universal. And I've had, <laughs> I've had so many people call and say, Man, Mike, I need to tell you what's going on in my life. And you've never heard a story like this. And the, the sad part is, I've heard that story and another story and another story. And it's that the enemy only has like three or four things, but they just keep working. So why change it, right? Why change the game plan? Here, here's the way it works, ready? First D, these are inspired of the Lord because they all begin with D. All right, here we go. First D, desire. It begins with a desire. I see it, it appeals to me, and I want it. King David could have anything in the world, but he saw a woman named Bathsheba that he wanted. In fact, David even had somebody go, King, you know she's married. I want that. It's desire. And it could be, a person that's not our spouse. It could be a thing that we will sell our souls to get. A job, a place, it's this desire and it just pulls us. We see it and it grabs, it's like it gets a hook in us, whatever it is. And it just begins, we feel that pull. But that desire 
becomes deception. Don't be misled. And here's, here's the deception. The, the deception is it feels good. It makes me happy. I deserve this. If God really loved me, he would give this to me. And we get deceived. We don't even know what we don't know. I remember I left student ministry working with kids, which we always say, you know, that's the time of life that kids are trying to make good choices and I have figured out that we're all grown up kids trying to figure out how to live this life, right? And so I remember sitting on a guy's porch in a rocking chair and he was making a choice that was absolutely wrecking his family. This is 1998. And I'm telling him, and it's like, he is so deceived that he couldn't hear what I was saying. And that deception gets our eyes off the Lord and gets our eyes on us. And it's not like we jump into it overnight. It's just a little bit at a time that I'm walking this way, then all of a sudden I just get a little bit off course and I turn around and I feel like I can't even get back because I've been so deceived. Then it leads to that third day, disobedience. These desires give birth to sinful actions. We find ourselves doing something we never thought we would do. We find ourselves in a place we never thought we would be, and now we're stuck. Because if I tell somebody, they're gonna think less of me. If I open up, I'm the only one, I'm telling you. You look at people and go, why didn't you tell somebody? I just felt like if I told them, if I let it out, then I'd be the only person in the world that's ever felt this way. I'm just telling you, this disobedience, the enemy opens that door, he walks by our room and we open that door and he gets a handle in it and he begins to pull us away. And finally, it leads to death. Romans 3, 23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin brought death. I have watched temptation, which isn't bad, but when temptation is given in to, and we bite that hook, I've watched it cause death to families. I've watched it cause death to careers. I've watched it cause death to dreams. I've watched it cause death to relationships. I've watched it cause death to friendships. And we get in a place and we're like, how in the heck did I ever get here? And here's what happens when these things happen. I want you to write this little word down. And I didn't talk about this at 8.50, but I think it's important. It causes a hardening of our heart. 
We can sit in church and pretend it's for everybody else but us. That gentleman that I sat on, and he tells the story. So he travels now and tells the story. So I'm not telling a story without a turn. Here's how bad it got for him. He ended up leaving his family. It was for a woman that he'd met. It wasn't his wife. Moved in with her. So we didn't know at that point. We were talking to him. He was in a group that I was in, and we would call him every day, just check in on him, and we would pray with him and talk with him, and he was with her. That's how hard his heart got, laying in her bed. If I could have picked a crowd like this and named one person that would never happen to, he would have been in that group. He's a great guy. Still is a great guy. I heard an old preacher say it like this one time. Sin always takes us further than we ever wanted to go, makes us stay longer than we ever wanted to stay, and makes us pay more than we were ever willing to pay. And it may look that shortcut may look good, but it never turns out good. Number three, refocus on God's goodness. It's so funny. When sin enters the mix, and when temptation is presented, it always makes it seem God's been withholding some happiness from me, and I deserve that. Listen to what he said. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So what do I do when I'm battling temptation? Refocus on God's blessings. I'm just telling you. And when you are in it, you forget. And when you are in it, your eyes get off what God's given you. And all of a sudden, it's about all the things you haven't been given. It's all the things I deserve. It's all the things I want. It's all the things I feel like I'm up for. Here's the crazy part. I could spend 54 years of my life doing the right things and in one minute destroy it. And so could you. I wear this bracelet this phrase, lock eyes with Jesus, came up in a Monday morning pro scout college baseball coach Bible study. So we had bracelets made. I know we gave out some this summer, but I wear this bracelet because here's the thing. If I can lock eyes with him Sunday and get to the finish line of Sunday and get up on Monday and lock eyes with him and walk towards him, it's easier to walk towards him every day and stay away from the things I don't need Here's what the enemy wants 
And, and here's the thing, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What entices us is all different, but yet they're all the same. He just wants your eyes to get off the Lord and go this way. That's his desire for you. Get your eyes off the Lord and go this way. What's over here is so much better. So I started this thing a few months ago, this intermittent fasting thing. I've had a buddy do it. He's like, ah, you ought to try it. So I hadn't been eating breakfast, which I found that really didn't help you a whole lot if you eat, make up for breakfast like five other times a day. But anyway, so I've been doing this little intermittent fasting thing. And it normally, that didn't bother me. And yesterday, we were driving back from being out of town for a couple of days, and Ann got a piping hot chicken biscuit. And I wanted to go, get behind me, Satan. Why'd you get that thing in the car? Because I didn't think about food till it was sitting in front of me, right? So Mike, what do I do when I'm battling temptation? Can I give you a little prescription here? I want you to write this down. Run, 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 get away. Yeah, there's times we have to stand and fight. There's other times we need to get as far away from it as we can. Get out. Remember years ago, a guy coming in to meet with Ike and he struggled with uh, alcohol. And Ike, our founding pastor, was sitting with him. He said, when do you struggle with it most? He said, when I'm in a bar. And Ike goes, don't go to a bar. And he went, that is a great idea, all right? And so, I don't know what it takes. Run, stay away. We put up guardrails, I have guardrails in my life. Not because I have to, because I know how quick I can get off the road. Things only have a power in darkness. Why don't you look at me? If you are in this season right now and you're like, Mike, I have opened the door. You know. I mean, I, ain't gotta, I don't have to list them. I've opened the door. Tell somebody. It's amazing the power that's broken when we tell somebody. Will God love you any less, yes or no? No. He loved you, he loves you at your worst. But the enemy will convince you that God's gonna walk out on you. I'm just telling you, he won't. Are there consequences? Yes. James is looking at this early church and he said, refocus on God's goodness. And number four, experience a new birth. For some of us, we know Jesus and our hearts have gotten hard. We need a new heart. I could line people up across the stage that would tell you the end game of all this. Here's what I thought, here's what I found. I was thinking about this during that last song, The Goodness of God. God's been chasing us. And sin causes us to run from him, the one that's chasing us. What he has for you is better than anything you could ever choose for yourself. 
trusting. Trusting. Celebrate recovery. Al-Anon. And I could name a million different. Why are those groups so powerful? Because it's a group of people sitting around going, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. And there are people that have chosen for the darkness not to reign in their lives anymore. James looks at the early church and says, don't settle for anything less than God's best. Don't you either. Would you pray with me? Maybe today you're sitting there and you're going, man, Mike, Today was for me. I opened the door. I bit the hook. I stepped over the line. I'm sitting here today and it's like God knew I was gonna be sitting here. He did. I want you to come home. Don't ignore it. Don't push it away. Come on. Don't blame. Come on. If that's you here today, and you say, Mike, today was for me. I'm asking you to do something super gutsy. Would you just lift up your hand right where you are? I promise you're not by yourself. I promise you're not by yourself. Mm. Mm. Tell the Lord. Tell a friend. Don't live in that darkness. Don't live in that despair. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, I need a new heart. I've never accepted Jesus. I've tried everything the world offers. I want to come home. After our services today, I'll be down front. There'll be people down front in True North Chapel. Online, you have your hose. Say today, I want a new heart. And they'll tell you how. Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for leading us. Thanks for meeting us right where we are. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.